Unfortunately, we just decided not to do the show tonight, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, the show is canceled. We can all go home. Take it away, Derek. <laughs> What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? <laughs> Comic books. Motherfucker, do you... Read them. 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you... Read him. Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> it's like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you... Read him. See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes. Comics, motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I am joined by three, count them, three of my fellow Fan Holes. Why don't you guys all give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike. Just Mike. Hey, this is Justin. Slam Evil. Hey guys, this is Tony, and just just give Jack Kirby back his stuff, man. So Justin wanted a change of pace, and we are all here to uh, take part in that change of pace. And uh, I think I think Justin threw down the gauntlet, and we have all met him steadfastly with uh, a change of pace for uh, tonight's episode. So. We, we've got a, a series of episodes. It's funny. We're going to end with Justin's selection. But to pull back the veil, that was the first comic that we saw for the selection. And I think we all tried to meet him accordingly. And I guess we're going in chronological order here. I, I feel like, with the exception of Mike's comic, this is almost like the Obscuro edition of Comics Motherfucker, because uh, we, we all have some, some relatively obscure selections for everybody tonight. But Tony's is the oldest of the, the selections in front of us, and I figured we'll just, you know, do what we usually do, go in chronological order. So, Tony... Why don't you tell us what it is that you've got for us in store tonight? Well, <laughs> my comic that I have tonight is entitled The Mighty Might. This was a book that was released in the 80s, 1986 to be specific, from Eternity Comics. It's kind of a, a parody comic in a way, drawn by uh, Nicholas Conti on the uh, cover, and the inside pencils are also by him. It's written by a guy named John Nubbin and another gentleman who goes by the pseudonym i assume of sparky basically the mighty mites is is, is just a, a independent like i guess idea that i guess got picked up by eternity or you know these guys were aspiring artists i don't know the actual backstory of this essentially it's a parody comic and it starts off with the x mites and they're basically a take on the x-men and the writing i really find it really kind of appeals to my sense of humor because the X-Mites have been called upon by uh, the government to stop the threat of X-Laxus, who is a uh, Galactus parody. 
And that's just because the actual heroes of the book, the Mighty Mites, are too busy watching Leave it to Beaver. It's one of their favorite episodes, and damn it, they can't be asked to be taking on this ex-lactus stuff right now. The uh, ex-mites, in short order, go and fail, pretty much due to their characterization. <laughs> They're too busy uh, worrying about their own problems, which is, of course, the 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 main takeaway of the the parody of making fun of them is that they're so overdramatic and melodramatic that they they can't even focus on the time, the uh, crisis at hand. The mighty mites say, "Okay, damn it, just put it on record. We'll go take care of this." And they confront Galactus and they give him a twinkie, well, a moistest twinkie or whatever, <laughs> and this appeases the 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 hunger of Galactus ex Galactus. And he takes off without very much of a, bat, a fight at all. And the comic pretty much ends with a little bit of, a, 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 I guess you would say, a, a downtime joke with a, kind of making fun of the Marvel situation with Jack Kirby, which was kind of cute. And then all the X-Mites going to the Hellfire Club or Heckfire Club, cavorting with various denizens of the Marvel Universe. And one of the uh, characters named Beezer, there, there's... Uh, a whole team of X-Mites. There's Doc, Beezer, Fatty, Chuckles, and the kid. And Beezer ending up in a, a, a bubble bath with all the female members of the X-Men, quote-unquote, X-Mites. Rugged, Squall, and Shadow Box, or Shadow uh, Kitty Cat. Yeah, it's just a weird, kind of quirky comic. It's got a very stylized type of art. They're They're not really drawn chibi, but kind of. Like, they've got big heads and little bodies, but they also have got these kind of, like, Mega Man feet, Mega Man hands. And the writing is really not for uh, a younger uh, audience. It's it's not so much adult, but it's got, like, an adult, like, pace as, uh, as far as the humor. If you want to stick with the joke, you have to read a lot of words, which some kids are not into, but it pays off after if you read the panels. And it's just a, a fun little poke at the X-Men and uh, Marvel, the, the big comic book company, the great big comic book company downtown, as they like to call it. And it's just like a fun little romp. It's, you know, not anything that's going to change your life, but just for like a little book to pick up. I, I enjoyed it. So what did you guys think? Uh, bizarre would be one word, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like mentioned this to Derek last night. I I was like, oh, I read Tony's uh, pick. Wow. I don't know what to say. And then I started thinking about it today. And I read this thing again and I was like, you know, I get why Tony likes this because this has your name written all over it. Like the sense of humor and everything. You were talking a minute ago about like, you know, kids not wanting to read all the text. I think the first two pages of this kind of like, me out because you've got these introductions of the x mics and it's repeated on the second page and i was like why well, okay i i get the joke but i think it was kind of a waste but there <laughs> i don't know there's some stuff in here that kind of made me chuckle like you know one eye like he's constantly going on about gene and you know why did gene have to die why does he have to leave me and you know, Cutter, he's always, like, doing, like, loner Wolverine stuff. So there's some stuff in here that, like, kind of made me chuckle. And the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I get why this is made. Because, you know, 
80s x-men was huge so they wanted to do some kind of like parody and like i get it so i think i understand why you like it and i understand why it was made i i still think it's really bizarre and a little maybe it's a little too out there for me or i don't know like if i had read this when i was like you know getting into comics like when i was six or seven years old like i you know, there's some jokes in here, like, give Jack his art back. Like, that would have went way over my head. I I did kind of, like, chuckle at that, even though, you know, sad as it is. But I think if I had read this when I was younger, like, I think I would have liked it a lot more. Like, especially the kind of, like, you know, as you said, like, not quite chibi art style. Like, I think I would have liked this better as uh, as a kid. But as an adult, I'm like, it makes me chuckle, but it's also just really bizarre, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I I laughed out loud when I got to the second page, and I didn't read the second page. So maybe <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm I'm that smart. Like I just I, uh, I I meticulously read the first page and chuckled all about the way they tried to sort of you know lampoon the X Men. But I I also think they're lampooning like Claremont and Claremont's fetishes and him as yeah. a person and also they're lampooning you know like th this is a you know i mean well comic books have always been a male dominated you know medium you know and 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 then you know it, it's almost like this is like I, I i you know i don't know i i'm just gonna say it i feel like this is like a comic skate adjacent comic like before that was a thing right where like there is that kind of like throwback of like we didn't have to read comics that had weird kinky hellfire club shit in them why is this why is this pervy bullshit like why are your kinks in in my x-men comic or whatever so I, I i do feel like there's like among all the you know the cutesy and the chibi and the 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 jokes about you know uh you know hostess ads and 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 things like that there's also kind of like this scathing you know commentary about like you know th just their perception of of how x-men comics were written which is all the women you know it, it's it's the same thing as like today when they have all these videos about the m quote she you do you know what i mean except for here it's just all the female members of the team make all the male members of the team look stupid. And it's like, you know, they, they keep going, oh, uh, you know, I would be cool, but I'm tainted by my needly, needlessly excessive manliness, you know, like, or whatever the, the term is, right? Like, but, but then, you know, they have all these goofball jokes about, but, uh, you know, for I am a woman, and that means I am like super cool or whatever, you know, like that, that kind of nonsense that's like the commentary. I think... This is this is also kind of like uh, I, I I feel like for me like like I I some of it I got some of it I laughed out loud about I feel like the actual mighty mites like seem to be this weird configuration like it, it it's weird because the X mites you can see right off oh this is a lampoon and a parody of X Men so there's it's not exactly original it's like reading you know, a mad magazine parody or a cracked parody or a what the or whatever. And to me, it's kind of like a what the sketch that goes on way too long. 
kind of like an SNL skit that gets turned into a movie and you're like, why did they make Coneheads a movie? Like this is, it, it kind of wears on you after a while. But interspersed in between that are the actual Mighty Mites, which I'm like, I don't exactly know. Like, I get that they're all unique characters, but like one of them's kind of like a Reed Richards type guy that's smoking a pipe that's a scientist, you know, Doc or whatever. And then Beezer, I'm like, who is Beezer? Is Beezer like supposed to be like, you know, I don't know, some Claremont like pastiche or something? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I can't really figure it out. Right. Like, and I don't, I sort of don't get it. And it's like, that 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 part of it almost like slowed down the parody lampoon part to a crawl because I was like, wait, who are these guys? Like, I thought the Mighty Mites were the X Mites. And then I got to the Mighty Mites and I'm like, oh, wait, so they're the Mighty Mites. So it's like you're on page seven and you get introduced to the title characters who are not on the cover. And and, you know, I, I think Tony explaining like, oh, well, they're they're too good to actually be superheroes. So the X Mites have to go off and do it like that kind of makes it. Like, okay, yeah, I get it, you know, like, and and they do, through no fault of their own, it's like, they're the ones that sort of, you know, solve the problem, I guess, right? Like, as opposed to the X-Mites, so, and, and then, and then I guess they're rewarded in a weird way with, you know, the, the X-Women, which is weird. And, and I did just kind of look to see, like, well, what comes after this? And it's like, they... They have another issue that lampoons Dark Knight Returns. In that issue, there's like a couple letters that are written in about this. Like, so, so, I mean, there are people that, um, I guess like Tony that like, you know, read it, thought it was hilarious and were, were like, I can't wait for more. But then there were some other people that were like, maybe more like Justin, but, uh, or, or at least in the sense that like, it was a little more critical where the, there was, I think a, a, a lady reader or whatever that wrote in said, I laughed at the first couple of pages. Cause I was like, Oh, I get it. Like this is making fun of the X-Men. Like, and it's kind of hilarious. But then the more she realized it was also a commentary, uh, that, you know, there was, there's too much, uh, Mary Sueing of the women in in X comics. Then all of a sudden, like as a woman, she was like, "Oh, now I'm offended," or what? You know what I mean? Like, like so there was there was that aspect to it too. And then uh, you know, I guess just on the side of it, the Mighty Mites fought the Gray Skull and and Schmucky died. So I'm I'm just kind of like, wait, they're they're like, it's like there's some Captain America isms in there or whatever. And then I think later there was one where they they tried to parody, I think daredevil or something like that but sort of randomly and and then there were some later comics in the 90s that were a little less i think lampooning and more like we're the mighty mites and oh and here's a little smidgen of parody but mostly it's the mighty mites so i mean i thought it was interesting like this is i i mean to me it's like you know, I I tip my hat to you, Tony, because it's like I feel like you were the last person to pick something. And it was like one of those things where, again, I feel like, you know, Justin kind of threw down the gauntlet. He's like, I want to change the pace. I want to do some things that are off the beaten path or whatever. And so I kind of thought of something. And, and then, you know, Mike threw in, you know, his comic and everything. And and then when we got yours, I was like, well, I'll be goddamned. I've never heard of this. I don't know what it is. Like, let's, you know, I mean. You know, Eternity Comics is not, you know, on my my Rolodex of usual stuff to read. So, I mean, as far as that goes, it's like, uh, you know, to me, I'm like, 
you definitely introduced me to something I never fucking heard of before. And, and, and the second page certainly made me laugh out loud. I mean, admittedly, I was, you know, I didn't read any of the second page except for like the first five lines. Cause I realized, Oh, I get the joke. It's hilarious. Like it's all the same dumb bullshit. And it's like, I can, I can sit there and like kind of, you know, poke. I, I I can see the 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 you know talking smack, poking fun at the X Men, like the the something that is the most you know arguably the the best selling, most popular book that there is. You know, like trying to take pot shots at the you know the top number one guy or whatever. But it, it, the other thing too is I feel like this is laced with sort of. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it, but I mean it's and and I don't necessarily. It's not like I'm against it having this commentary but i mean the 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 underlining commentary is and i think this is pretty well known now but i mean i i don't know how well known it was in 1986 but it's like you know tony mentioned the thing about you know oh uh you know you know marvel hoarding all of you know jack kirby's works and not giving it back to him like that was a big controversial kind of button pushing topic of the day but then also i think you know I guess it must have been at least well known enough. I mean, it seems like it's public knowledge now, but it seems like, you know, Claremont having all his little weird fetishes and shit, you know, like that's that's certainly on display here in a sort of, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Like a, a, a comedy roast. Do you know what I mean? Like like if Claremont yeah. was at a comedy roast, they'd be giving him shit going. When's the last time you had a hooker dress up as storm and perform sexual acts for you? And it's supposed to be like a zing, you know, but, but uh, and, uh, and, a whistleblower or uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. You know, it's like when you, when you, when you, when you say something that everybody knows, but the, the public doesn't know like that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, that, that was my kind of, quick take on it like I, I think the, the part of it that's weird is it's it's drawn cute it it is supposed to be funny and a lampoon but it does have like a I, I think that's the right word a scathing underbite of commentary to it that's like really hitting below the belt I think and, and you know whether it's deserved or undeserved I'm not making any comments on but but to me I feel like they're they're definitely like you know, when, when when you get to those moments where you're like, oh, they're really calling Marvel out or they're really calling Claremont out or what, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, ooh, like this is it's like, it, you know, and, and the, 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 you know, Kitty, I mean, she's underage, but yet she's like the one like basically manipulating all the 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 might right. men in this book, you know, like like there's something almost kind of like wow like you know kind of like icky about the whole thing too so that that's why it's kind of funny because it's like it's like it's funny but it's also that there's something kind of you know or or or, you know and 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 it's not that i don't completely uh disagree with any of the i guess the statements but but the format in which it's presented is supposed to be funny like i don't know that i find it all funny like you know like to me it was kind of like i guess i guess i kind of i i kind of laughed about like the the reason why I say you know oh maybe it's it's uh, quote unquote comic skate adjacent like way back in the day or whatever like there's that bit where the mighty mites are gonna go confront uh you know whatever the 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 version of Galactus is and as he pops off to uh, other planets where they point him in the direction of that say oh there's other you know Twinkies there or whatever like there's that one bit where it's clearly like Green Arrow 
and he's you know a beatnik smoking a joint with the peace symbol and all that stuff and it's like he's like what about the blue people mr lantern and and beezer's just like oh god not that fucking shit again you know like and it's like it's like that's you know to most people if you look at it at face value like historically uh I guess that comic was quote unquote groundbreaking, but also historically that comic sold like shit and canceled Green Lantern. You know why? Because nobody wanted to read that shit. Like even though right. now you you fast forward or 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 in the 80s when it was reprinted or whatever, and then it's vanguarded and heralded as like, oh, this was this was so monumental, so groundbreaking, you know, blah, blah, blah. But clearly there was a contingent of people that were like Beezer, right? That was like, oh, the last thing I want to read about is uh you know some kind of uh you know modern day you know uh, uh socio-political commentary in my comics which again is interesting in this context because it's like it, it I, I almost feel like the same thing applies to this it's like you you go in the cover and and the art style you're thinking oh this is going to be a cutesy lampoon of the x-men but what it turns out to be is this scathing undercutting thing where it's calling out marvel claremont uh, uh, you know the pre presentation of of underage girls in sexual positions or, or even adult women in sexual positions and and um uh, you know i don't know like you know male female you know battle of the sexes dynamics and 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 then you know all, everything that comes along with it so so that's why i think i don't know to me th that maybe i'm dissecting something too much that you're not supposed to like it's it was just supposed to be a gag but i feel like there is a lot of like biting undercurrent in it i i would say that like the the humor was definitely what they were going for but i i definitely like I, I think there was like where they were, you know, the two writers were writing it. I, I'm I'm sure there was like that that conversation of like, do you think we're going too far? Or like, fuck it, let's go. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I think there was definitely like a couple of jokes where they like maybe did some hemming and hawing on, and then they were just like, yeah, let's leave it in. You know, let's let's we're we're gonna go for it, go for it big. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a, a comic that like I don't know if it would. Uh, sit too well in today's climate there is some ribald jokes in here body or whatever raunchy is a, is a i get the most common term but the only thing i was going to say for uh, uh i check in with you mike is like while you were talking derek i was like and somewhere a young <laughs> brian brian michael bendis was uh, uh reading the uh word balloons over talking heads it was like this is how you write a comic <laughs> you learned all the wrong lessons so but what'd you what'd you think mike yeah like i i had similar thoughts to like you know derek and justin that like you know there was there's a lot of stuff i laughed at and like i i got you know what they were trying to parody like i got all the you know overblown claremont like exposition and thought bubbles and like you know and then like eventually like like derek said i was like wow this is getting a little like you know like you said like ribald like this is getting a little blue like you know and then you know i think the one the the one word bubble was that or thought bubble that made me go like raise my eyebrows was like when r the rogue parody is like oh what i wouldn't give to give one blow and then she gets cut off like you know but like i was like whoa like okay like but uh no but uh, i mean there was a lot of stuff i laughed at like and and 
yeah, like that whole the thing about Jack Kirby at the end, I was like, wow, that's really going for the throat. Like, you know, like the whole warehouse of his stuff and stuff. And like one of one of the packages says, like, you know, a great man's like stolen dreams or something like, you know, so I was like, wow, they're really going for the throat there. No, like I enjoyed reading this. It was like like Justin said, it was very odd. It took a minute to get in the right lane. But like, yeah, like once I got what they were doing, like, you know, I, I think I laughed at all of Wolver or Cutters like, you know, you know, I will go over here for I am a loner. Like and he has to constantly like justify it, basically. Like all you, that you know stuff what, was right. pretty funny. You know, what's interesting is those those later versions of Mighty Mites that are in the 90s, the early 90s, they're written by Ben Edlin and he'd go on to do the tick. So like I was like, oh, that's interesting because it's Hmm. like it's like that's that's something I I didn't, you know, kind of, you know, like I said, I I was not familiar with this at all before Tony decided to bring it. And I just kind of started looking at like, well, what else, you know, what, what else did they do with this thing, you know, or whatever. And like that, that was something I thought was interesting was the people that were writing this, I guess, didn't go on to keep writing it unless, unless that's just like a pseudonym. And, and it was Ben Edlin this whole time. I mean, I, I don't even know, like, I don't, I don't know enough about any of this stuff. So, so I, I, I'm just, you know, this is just me speaking off the cuff or whatever. I mean, I, I guess, I guess going back to like things that, that made me chuckle or whatever, like I, I did think that, um, replacing uh instead of bamf like they replaced it with fart when the the, the nightcrawler parody he was like bamfing around or whatever and i i did think that was kind of funny so i, mean, I, it's, I um, it's, it's basic fucking fart joke but you know it, it worked yeah I, I i i have a feeling that like sparky quote unquote the pseudonym for one of the writers like he's either got to be a guy who worked at marvel and and felt like his balls were getting cut off and had some vitriol against the company or like maybe he just was an insider uh in the comic biz and just well maybe a jack kirby fanboy and just like there 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 seemed to be something there there seemed he seemed to have like a little bit of a i don't know i don't know if it was personal but he seemed to be he definitely seemed to be aiming his shots if you know what i'm saying you know but as far as like jokes that I just thought were funny, I'm a, I'm a simple man, and and sometimes the silliest things can make me laugh. And I, I, I like the little panel where it's like the 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 version of Colossus who's called Oaf. He turns into his metal form, and they're like, "Oh God, he's going to melt down." And he's like, "These Russians, they're always melting down." He's like, "I will not melt down." And then they actually call back like two panels later. He's like, "I will not melt down." I don't know why, but I just, I don't know. That got a chuckle out of me. I just like something, you know, and there is a, there is a really good dirty joke. It, I don't know if you guys called it, but like when they're flying in on the big black jet, as they call it, cat, the, the kitty, you know, alter, you know, ego, like she's sitting there thinking the, the, the thought panel, the, the caption says the cat sits and thinks about her pet dragon lockjaw and how he got that way. And oh, do, do you get the joke? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I mean there yeah. there was a lot of shit like that where I was just kinda like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that that that's one of the you, you know what you you know why that feels funny? Like you know why Justin felt weird about that? I'm speaking for Justin now. You know why Justin felt weird? Yeah, the, the reason why that feels weird is like 
you're you're like you don't know whether they're being critical of that or celebrating it like do you know what i mean like like it's like it's like are you are you being critical of claremont because your fear is that eventually claremont's going to start writing x-men comics where lockjaw eats out fucking kitty pride like is that is that like and and you're just being very very you know to the nth degree vulgar and 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 as extreme as possible and go is this the route you want comics to go in like do you do you want to see something like that because it's coming like this will eventually happen right like something like this will happen right or is it is it that they actually kind of like you know God help me, people today, are they like patting themselves on the back and go, look what we did to this comic. It's so great. Like, and, right. you know, meanwhile, the people that are reading it are slowly getting more and more turned off and not buying it. Right. Like, so I, you know, I don't know. I can't like with this, the reason why you feel, I don't know for me. So I don't, I guess I don't want to speak for Justin, but for me, I feel like that's, that's the dichotomy of it. It's like, I can't tell like, is, is this, is this supposed to be funny? Are you for this or against it? Like, like I, I can't, you know, I, I haven't quite made up my mind. I think they're against it, but I, I don't know for sure, you know? Well, it, it, like I said, if you like, you know, if you want to read too much into it, which this is kind of what I was thinking, like the X-Mites, in the end, they fail. So like this really cool super team that everybody likes, the X-Men, you know, this version of them, they're so worried about their own personal problems and their, their, uh, deviant behavior that they get taken out and like who saves them the quote-unquote normal guys the uh the mighty mites because they are portrayed as like pretty average like as far as their their mind state like you know all american guys kind of yeah but then but then they're but then they're rewarded with a trip to the hellfire bunny ranch like where he shacks up with two x mite women and an underage x mite girl right and you're just like um okay weird you know but but then but then that's why like is that is that supposed to be claremont you know what i mean is that supposed to be claremont going out and uh uh, you know uh, renting sex workers as we call them today and having them dress up like storm and kitty and uh uh, what was it rogue or whoever the fuck else was in there like you know what i mean like i don't i don't know like like i said yeah i mean it it depends on how much of a rabbit hole you want to go down there uh i mean the comic definitely gives you like plenty of chances to jump down rabbit holes. Don't get me wrong. But like you said, it's like, is, do you take it at face value or do you want to go down the rabbit holes? You know? Well, I, I guess I've gone down the rabbit hole, man, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, not this again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I don't know. Anybody, anybody have any other, uh, last thoughts on mighty mites or, or is anybody like, since I told you there's more than this issue, like Mike, Justin, do, do you have any interest in reading the parody of like Dark Knight Returns or Daredevil or anything else that these guys did? I don't think so. Okay. I, I might go back and check them out. Yeah. Okay. And Tony, I'm a Batman guy, so I might, I might you, check out the Dark Knight. Oh, that, that's what I was going to ask. Like, did you, did, have you read other Mighty Mites comics or is this the only one that you were familiar with? I, I got this, speaking of spinner rack stuff that we used to, you know, that we, we sometimes reference. I got this issue from a guy who, it was a it was a teenage guy when I was in middle school, and he was like about three years older than me. And me and him weren't really friends, 
but we lived in the same neighborhood and he had just stacks and stacks of comics like a lot and he had like his long boxes that had all his good comics quote unquote all his ones that were worth something that had like monetary value and underneath his bed he had like this big drawer of like marvel age the shadow like dc book i remember that i seen i seen that a lot and just random like independent press you know alternative press comics like like eternity and stuff and every once in a while like once or twice a month i just go up to his house knock on his door his mom like he's still a teenager his mom would answer she'd be like oh you know you're here to see uh, i think his name was jeremy and i'd be like yeah 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 and i would sit there we would talk comics for like an hour and i would just peruse the the the, the shit he didn't want but I was so hungry for comics at the time, I uh, would just pick and choose what I wanted. He sold it to me like 50 cents a pop. And I would take like, you know, three or four books up there and I'd walk back with like a little stack of books. And this happened to be one of the ones he had. I, I picked it up. I read it. Uh, much like Justin, you know, I, I thought the artwork was kind of cool. The, the fart jokes made me laugh. You know, some of the more obvious jokes were like, ha ha, you know. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I'll think back on it sometimes. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that was a lot more adult than I thought it was. And I do remember seeing the the uh, promo for the, the Dark Might Returns, but I had no real way of getting it. So I might, I might actually, mm. yeah, want to, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read anything else besides this one issue. But, like, now that with the advent of digital comics, you know, and they're being available so widespread, I might, I might actually, yeah, take a look at the second issue. <laughs> Drama, lust, snark, comedy, heartbreak, creativity, poetry, illicit affairs, rage, revenge, testosterone poisoning, gunshots, sculpture, feminine hygiene products, naked car crashes. You know what we haven't had in a long time? And liver. Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise, the audio adaptation, coming to your ear holes in late 2020 on the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Liver is my life. Well, let's go on. So I guess I'm I'm next in chronological order here. And the comic I brought is called North Star Presents James O'Barr issue number one. The publisher of this was Arpad Publishing Incorporated. Its cover date was October 1994, so I'm guessing it probably came out in like July or August of 1994. The cover price was $250, and it actually contains two stories. One of them is titled Zeitgeist, where the writer-artist is James O'Barr, and then the second story is an adaptation by James O'Barr and the original screenwriter for The Crow film, David J. Shao, and the title of the, I, I think it's adapted from some kind of like short story or novella or something like that, and it's titled Blood Rape of the Lust Ghouls. And then just of note, I didn't write down like every single person that was involved with the publishing of this, but just, just for frame of reference, the editor-in-chief is Brian Azzarello of this Sarpad Publishing North Star Presents deal. For reference, this, and I didn't know this at the time, but this is technically a reprint book. So it's it's capitalizing on the notoriety of James O'Barr's name because the Crow film had just come out 
and they, they were trying to capitalize on that. And for me, I was, you know, I'm not going to be like I was OG and I knew about The Crow before The Crow movie. It was more like before I saw The Crow movie, there was all kinds of publicity for The Crow movie. And in the period where they were hyping the hell out of The Crow movie to when it actually was in the theater, I went and got the collected edition of The, the Crow and I read the hell out of that thing. And then, you know, for me, The Crow, like that, I mean, I guess, you know, setting the ending aside, it's like one of those films that's like incredibly faithful to the source material. Like, I feel like it's right up there with, you know, the, that first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie as far as that goes. But I, you know, I sort of poured over that collection and then I noticed like I was kind of looking it up and I'm like, holy crap, like because it's like if you on eBay, it's like the 17th printing of that collection. I mean, it, it must have been like reprinted into infinity or something you know i was like holy crap because i'm pretty sure the one i bought was like the first printing of that collection i'm like there's 17 printings of it anyway because of the popularity of all that i fell for this which was they repackaged these two short stories which were from these 1992 series that north star made it was an anthology series of like short little horror kind of featurettes and it was called slash and that ran for three issues but Ironically, the two stories from this, I think, were only from like issue two. And then they just collected just the James O'Barr ones so that, you know, suckers like me could be like, oh, I like James O'Barr because I like The Crow. Well, I'm going to buy this because it's got his name. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a Leonard Nimoy's Primordials. You know, it's like I kind of fell for it. It's like James O'Barr's, you know, North Star Presents. And I was like, ooh, OK. So I picked it up. I didn't really write any synopsis or whatever. These, these are kind of two short stories. They don't. Well, one of them self-contained. The, the, the first one, Zeitgeist, was supposed to have more parts and never did like it never went anywhere as far as i know the intention was that, that that there were at least like two or three chapters of it you know that were actually done but and and it sounds like based on some interviews with obar like i think he was under the impression they were printed somewhere but as far as i can tell like they that the only chapter that was ever printed was this story zeitgeist and the the really simple version of zeitgeist is there are these two like monster looking dudes who are brothers one is named vox one is named krishna they're kind of like evil ernie looking dudes kind of you know like with the, the james obar trappings and so they're fighting with one another in an alleyway and the the first brother vox like you know slaughters this dog and then Vox and Krishna fight one another in an alley and then the police show up and then they decide to stop fighting they do kind of like a team up rival fusion slay all the police officers and then they're off in this police car I think at the end to do like Mickey and Mallory shit like to go off and slaughter a bunch of people and that's all you really know based on the story according to Obar they were supposed to be immortal brothers, so kind of a little bit of Highlander tossed in there. And they had been trying to kill each other for the last thousand years over a woman. So I, I almost imagine it's like if evil, if evil Ernie was split into like, you know, Sam and Dean Winchester and they lived for thousands of years like Highlanders and they were just fighting over like big boobied Lady Death or something like that seems to be the pitch, the elevator pitch of, of Zeitgeist or whatever. But it's only this one little chapter. I do like James O'Barr, so. I like the art and the story. It's It's got very disturbing graphic imagery, especially when the dog gets slaughtered. And 
then the the second half of it is this adaptation called the blood rape of the lust ghouls and basically like that follows this writer that they call hackamore i guess that's supposed to be a gag and it's like he's this kind of you know struggling you know artist type writer guy and he's got this kind of overweight wife with a, a crying kid and all he wants to be is sort of left alone so that he can research and write his horror scripts and watch movies and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, the the wife is kind of pestering him to get a quote unquote real job. And and, it, you know, it's it's all the kind of trappings of what, what any uh, uh, aspiring artist fears, right, that you're, you're trying to still aspire to be an artist. But you've got all these crippling real world responsibilities that will inevitably like, you know, force you to take, you know, like uh, the the aforementioned quote unquote real job. It gets somewhat horrific and fantastical in that the the the, the writer somehow realizes he can go through this this poster that's hanging above his wall and then he sees kind of like an alternate dimension where he is there with his wife, Chloe, but his wife, Chloe, is kind of banging and hot looking in the alternate dimension and not kind of fat and overweight and with child and all this other stuff. And then instead of him kind of owning up to his responsibilities, he he, he comes back with murderous intent and basically, you know, clobbers her with some kind of vase or whatever it is, killing her. And, and then I guess he tries to get rid of the evidence by throwing her into this portal and then I, I think somehow there's like this switcheroo and the other version of him that's in the portal, like removes the poster and leaves him stuck with uh, the dead body. And then and then as he's like running away, he runs headfirst into a chainsaw and that's kind of how that story ends. So I guess it's supposed to be like, you know, the, the guy meets his just desserts because, you know, he he had this murderous intent and and he he, he gets what's coming to him or whatever. I, I just figured since both of them were pretty short and normally I might have just gone with the zeitgeist chapter and told you guys not to read anything else. But I, I kind of figured they were both pretty short and they were both, you know, James O'Barr related. And again, like I said, I was kind of a sucker. You know, I kind of fell for the hype or w w whatever it was like. I was just kind of into the crow and thought, oh, well, maybe maybe I shall like this. And admittedly, like, I, I think I prefer Zeitgeist to Blood Rape of the Lust Ghouls because Blood Rape of the Lust Ghouls just kind of abruptly ends. But I thought it was interesting to include because the guy that, you know, uh, that was involved in the script was, uh, you know, the guy that that helped uh, screenwrite the, the Crow movie as well. So you could see that, you know, connection to everything. Uh, before I brought this, I, I had no idea it was reprinted. So this is just me you know, finding out and doing research and everything like that. I would have liked to see more of of the brothers in Zeitgeist. But like I said, uh, it doesn't look like even if there were other chapters drawn and written, like I, I don't think they ever saw publication. So I guess it's one of those kind of, you know, in comics, there's often like many kind of lost stories or unfinished stories like, you know, maybe infamous, you know, Kevin Smith stories, you know, that never got finished or, or whatever you can point to. Right. And and this is one of those where it just, you know, it started out and it never really went anywhere. But, you know, when 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 Justin sort of threw down the gauntlet and we're all bringing kind of like these these sort of stories that nobody's ever heard of before, like I, I sort of thought of that. I, I remember I did pick it for one of my like when I was doing those uh, like 
I don't know, like images on Facebook where I was doing like, uh, you know, you know, day one, pick a movie that, you know, made you feel happy or whatever. But instead, I turned it into comics and went day one, pick a comic that made you feel happy. And I'd post an image of it. And for this, it was like, you know, uh, you know, pick a movie that disturbs you. And I twisted it and, you know, pick a comic that disturbs you. And I had the the image of the 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 dog where he says, like, give us a kiss. And he basically like, you know, crushes the dog and kills it and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's for me, it was like it, it was memorable imagery, like no, nothing I'll ever sort of forget. So anyway, that's that that's me bringing it. So I, I don't know if you guys thought this was, uh, you know, freaky deaky, which you probably should think it is. But anyway, I don't know if you knew anything about that either. So uh, I, and again, I don't know if you had ever heard of this or read it or anything like that, but have at it, you know, but let me know what you think. I never heard of this. I think you probably know what I'm going to say about the first story. Like the dog oh, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. took me out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the art though. And if, if those other stories got published and they were like minus animal stuff, like I would have been up for reading those because it is interesting. I was like, okay, once I got beyond the dog stuff, I was like, okay, what's going on here? Like these guys want to kill each other, but then they like, team up to kill the cops and then they get in the car and leave and i was like okay so where is this going i was definitely interested in you know continuing the story the second story i i like the writing but i'm not that crazy about the art mm. so i think i i prefer the second story and it feels like something from like the 80s twilight zone or tales from the dark side and i mean that as a compliment like not an insult like it like if you had filmed a version of this and it was on either of those programs, like uh, it would yeah, fit yeah, in yeah. perfectly. Like I could easily, you know, might have some of the blood and gore DNA or whatever, but like I could just easily see this fitting in. Maybe more so the Tales from the Dark Side, just because it's a little bit more darker. But um, yeah, I I really prefer the second story. I think that's more of my my taste or you know my style or what what have you. I like the twist. Um, you know I. To me, like, dude's fate, it's like at the beginning, he's kind of ripping apart in his review. He's talking about this slasher movie he saw, and it's like, oh, and then the kids go in the back seat and they bang, and then they get killed for no reason by a chainsaw. And that's kind of how he dies. It's like out of the blue by a chainsaw. And I was like, eh, I get it. You know, the twist. Right, right, right. So, I like, mean, I mean, if, um, if you go with like modern stuff or even not so modern, I mean, things like Tales from the Crypt, as long as it's on like HBO or Showtime, yeah. like Masters of Horror, like you could mm -hmm. probably get yeah. away with adapting this, you know, with with the gore and with the TNA and, and the whole the whole thing. This was definitely an interesting read. And like you say, it'll it'll stay with you. And, and when I threw down a gauntlet and I read this, I was like, all right, Derek brought it because I've never heard of this. And it's. <laughs> Wow, this was impressive. What what about uh, what about you, Tony? What, 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 had you had you heard of this? Did you, you did you see it coming? Uh, uh no, uh, uh, RKO'd out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> basically, um, I, I am familiar with Jo Bar, uh, 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 of course. In the in like the early '90s, gentlemen such as me and you, uh, men of our age. Like for a, a small window, you you couldn't take a shit without hearing about the crow and how how awesome it is and how how like dude it's so dark and like you know and for like five minutes everybody want to be goth as fuck I mean 
that was the style at the time. Everybody wanted to buy a trench coat, paint their face white, and go kill, you know. I uh, I, I did buy a trench coat, and for Halloween, I did paint my face like the crow. So, I mean, there you go. Was, that was I mean, the thing. Know, yeah, it, it was it was the style of the, at the time, as, as Abe Simpson would say. <laughs> it it um, really was, because, like, I remember, sorry to get you off track, but, like, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, when I was a freshman in high school, like, one of my cousin's friends, like, I I got to know him like before you know, the summer before that uh, freshman year started. And he was this really cool guy. He was into photography. But anyway, for Halloween that year, like I'm, I'm at my locker talking to some one of my friends and I look down the hallway and I see Sting walking towards me. And I was like, holy shit, like it, it, it like my mind went blank for me. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like, oh, it's Halloween. And then I and then sting came up to me and i was like oh it's 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 darren it's my it's my friend you know it's my cousin's friend and i was like dude the crow i was like dude you nailed it and he you know crow sting was silent and he he just nodded his head and he walked on and i was like oh man that's so cool but like <laughs> later on he was like he got kind of mad because he was like oh man everyone keeps calling me the crow but i'm staying like i've even got the scorpion t-shirt he's like what's wrong with people and i was like dude it's the face paint don't worry about it i was like you killed it <laughs> right nice <laughs> i was like it's sting um <laughs> but yeah th 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 this was very fine like anything jo bar touched you know was gold for like a hot second so i totally see like this being a cash grab and 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 with that if like to 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 do a parallel if mutant slash x-force is rob liefeld's like you know grand opus like the thing he's known for for being like you know either his best work if you want to call it that or the thing that put him on the map i would say that this is probably james obar's blood wolf <laughs> just just because zeitgeist it's like a fun little story it's about two you know like like you know derek said evil already looking guys who uh, just want to kill people apparently there is that, you know, familial rival fusion and stuff, and there's a little bit of backstory, but it is pretty, uh, pretty bare bones. You know, it's it's violence for violence sake. And then the second story is is more like a, uh, it really reminded me of the Night Gallery in a way, like this story where somebody gets their come up. It's like kind of a dark and dreary, like you know, setting. But it could totally fit as a Tales for the Crypt or Tales for the Dark Side, especially with the amount of uh, gore that's in it. It wasn't bad. It was not like something that was like even like I said, even though I sound like I'm really ripping apart like, you know, Zeitgeist, it was a fun little story. The art, I kind of agree with Justin. It was a little off to me because I had read The Crow and like, I don't know if this was done really quickly or if he was going for a different look, but The Crow seemed a little bit more polished. Maybe that's just me. There, there's some panels where like the art's really good, but there's a couple of panels like the one where the cop first shows up and I'm like, wow, that cop looks kind of kind of rough. He's like really short and dumpy and sketchy and like, whoa, what's going on with this art? But some of the close-ups are really good. I mean, you know, there there is that James O'Barr like polish on some of those. You know, the second story has a really cool looking art style. It's kind of like this almost like charcoal on paper. Like it's kind of like this washed out but dark look to it. It's like pastels, like dark pastels. I can't really explain it. But it looks cool. I mean, it's got really good artwork. And as far as, you know, the impact it had, I don't know if I would continue reading this anthology series, but like 
it was fun to sit down to be exposed to it. I like I like James Omar. I, li- I like the crow and I, I like the slant he has because he's not afraid of violence and he does like to show like, you know, the darker side of humanity, even if it is two demon guys. I, I think that was the only thing that kind of took me out of that guy. So I was like, they kind of explain it, but they don't really. It's like, so they're demons, they're aliens, they're, you know. Yeah, like, they, they, yeah they, don't, they don't really explain it at all. I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe, like I said, there were more chapters to come. Like, I, I don't think I knew until I started looking into some of the interviews that they were immortal and they were living you know, trying to kill one another for the last thousand years and, and that they were fighting over a woman, like that was all, you know, news to me. Like, so, so, I mean, I, I feel like I, I at least got some things answered, even though there never were, I mean, there, there's not, I mean, technically that like there never was a, a North star presents James Obar too, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and, and that slash, anthology comic only ran for three issues and and the majority of them were not james obar stories that's why that these were the only ones they had to collect to do the cash grab so unfortunately as far as i know there there wasn't anything to read after this right I, but i i totally see why you picked it though especially back then when you first picked it up because yeah like 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 you know like like i said uh there was definitely a time when when he was the hot shit it was like uh uh Leinster when Cry for Dog came out. Like you Yeah. 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 What about you, Mike? I'm sure you love this. No, this <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. Well, I was gonna say it's like I, I never really got into the crow at all. Like I was never part of that hype. Like I think Justin, like your friend, would like me because as soon as I saw him, I'd be like, Hey, it's Sting. Like, you know, so, <laughs> you know, like I think I I saw Sting dressed like that before I even know who knew who the crow was, I think basically. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I, yeah, like I, I think I, I've only ever seen that movie like once, so, and then I was like, yeah, okay, I can see why, you know, it's a cult favorite or whatever. But I, I never got into the comics or anything, you know, beyond that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't actively go out seeking like horror type stuff. So like, this was not really in my wheelhouse. And like, yeah, the first story was just a bit like too extreme for me. Like I was like, like you, I was like turned off by the violence done to the dog and the rest of it wasn't really, you know, compelling to me really. And then, and then, yeah, the the second story was felt like an outer limits or uh yeah, night, uh night gallery or a twilight zone episode or something. And, like, you know, that that was at least that had a I felt like a story and a like through line that I could follow. And, you know, it was reasonably creepy and whatever, but it's not anything I would like seek out more of or, you know, revisit probably. Fair enough. Fair enough. Obviously, the people who create comic books want you to read the things. Comic books aren't meant to be precious. They're pop art. They're junk culture. But they're our culture. If you're listening to this podcast, it's your culture. Most people, when they talk about comic books, they're talking about the so-called big two, Marvel Comics and DC Comics. It strikes us, though, that the entire comic book industry is undervalued by the general public. As comic aficionados, we'd like to have a podcast out there that covers the entire rest of the industry, and for that purpose, we will be your under guides. If you're sitting around and you find yourself bitching about comic books all the time and how comic books suck and how back in your day comic books were good, take a listen to the under guides and you'll maybe open up a little doorway to some independent comic books that you hadn't read before. It doesn't have Spider-Man in it or a Wolverine or a Green Lantern in it, but it's 
talks about people's lives and stuff and sometimes you can identify with. If you're wondering where all the good writers and stuff went that don't write your comic books anymore, they're making independent stuff. So maybe we, we may cover it and you may find something you can go, go check out. So I think that brings us to you, Mike. Why don't you tell everybody what, uh, what you brought for uh, tonight's festivities? All right. Well, I think I missed the conversation where where Justin decided like the theme of this night because like I didn't I'd never heard of anything about like, well, there, stuff there, being off the beaten path there, or anything. There, there wasn't there wasn't any theme. Like Justin just picked something that was off the beaten path, and and, and we just me and Tony just responded like, but but yeah, there was like, never any. It was all it was all unsaid. So. So basically, you you didn't get our new type transmissions. No, me and Tony. <laughs> you, like you were like good old rock, nothing big rock, and exactly. you pick Spider Man. <laughs> it's good old Spider Man, nothing big Spider Man. Yeah, like uh-huh. more predictable, Michael. <laughs> Well, at least I, I feel like it's at least in the same like era of like '90s like extreme stuff as like you know. I don't know, man. I think I think maybe maybe Kane could hold his own against the. Uh, the, the zeitgeist brothers and yeah. uh, the mighty mites right uh-huh yeah so i i mean i just picked a you know spider-man <laughs> comic that i got as a kid and i, I treasured for a long time and uh yeah I, I picked spider-man unlimited volume one number nine the cover date of may 1995 written by i gotta read the credits because they're kind of ridiculous it's written by tom lyle it's penciled by ron Lim, ron garney and todd smith and it's inked by holy fuck it's inked by Tom Palmer, Randy Emberlin, <laughs> Tim uh, Tuo, Al Milgram, Jimmy Pum- Palmiotti, Klaus Jansen, Sam DeLaRosa, and Don Hudson. That's freaking <laughs> eight inkers on this thing. And then colors by uh, John Calise, letters by Joe Rosas, and edited by Danny Fingeroff. That's and, how uh, they made the trains run on time. They had uh-huh. eight, eight fucking inkers. Three pencilers and eight inkers, yep. <laughs> Yeah, and this is this is part five of the Mark of Cain crossover. Like this is like when the Clone Saga was like really getting like you know steam, like coal shoved in the engine. It was like all the Spider-Man books were like held hostage every month by by like four friggin' parters like that went through the entire like Clone Saga part, for a while. Part five of five. Who do you think you are, Tony? Yeah, Come on. <laughs> like I was gonna say, like well, I was like, oh, this is the last part of a crossover. But like honestly, the story of the Mark of Cain crossover, the story ended in part four, and this part five, and like this, like the extra sized like Spider-Man Unlimited issue is just like a like add-on issue that like it, it's it, it's it, kind of like an epilogue in the way that the the Spider-Man Unlimited, you know, at the end of Maximum Carnage was like, it was like they kind of ended the story, but then they're like, oh yeah, we want to have one more fight between Venom Carnage and Spider-Man just yeah. by themselves, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, so like... Yeah, Mike, I was going to give you like some crap because like in the past I have picked books that were like right in the middle of a story and even though they were my favorites, you know, some of the fan holes have been justifiably like a little bit like... <laughs> Kind of don't know what's going on here, you know, like kind of drop this in the middle of like, you know, a beehive. But that being said, you know, you not only picked a story that was part of a ongoing story, but it is a pretty self-contained issue. Yeah. Uh-huh. And not only that, but all of us have been so exposed to the clone saga. We we knew it was what what's going on yeah. when we stepped into it. Like I, I wrote. Oh, God. I was going to say, I, I agree with Tony and I only really had one question. 
And that question is, who is Hobgoblin in this story? Like, that's what I was it's, trying to It's Mackendale. Okay, that's what I yeah, thought. It's, it's I wasn't not, sure. Yeah, this is pre, like, Kingsley reveal. So, but, uh, like, I wrote a brief little summary for it. So I'll just read that really quick. Like, and the, the story title is Unholy Alliances. Peter Parker has been framed for murder. His clone, Ben Riley, takes Peter's place in prison as Peter dons the Scarlet Spider costume to hunt for the real killer, the mystery man known as Kane. Kane has been targeting Spider-Man's villains for death, already having slain the Grim Hunter and Dr. Octopus. The Hobgoblin assembles the Vulture, Electro, Shocker, Mysterio, the Beetle, and Scorpia to preemptively take Kane down. This sinister seven goes on the hunt, but finds themselves the hunted as Kane ambushes them, determined to kill any threats to Peter and Mary Jane Parker. Meanwhile, Mary Jane finds out tragic news about her unborn child, Stunner and Detective Jacob Raven are looking for leads on Kane, and Ben Riley is visited in prison by Felicia Hardy, the Black Cat. Peter Parker arrives on the scene of the battle between Kane and the Sinister Seven, working to both capture Kane and prevent him from killing any more of his rogues gallery. The battle ends with the villains scattering and Peter losing Kane in the chaos. And elsewhere, Scryer finds the liquefied remains of yet another Peter Parker clone and muses it could be useful in the future. No, leave it there, Scryer. It's going to be Spider-Side. No, don't. So yeah, like, I mean, I was like, you know, when I, when this came out, I was 11 years old. Like, I thought this was like the coolest shit ever. Like, you know, and you can probably see knowing my tastes as you guys do, you can probably see why this issue appeals to me. I mean, it's got, you know, the Hobgoblin in it. It's got Kane, you know, it's got like, you know, a bunch of like Peter's rogues gallery and, you know, Peter's wearing the Scarlet Spider outfit. It's you know, it's a fun, like, action issue, basically. And, it, it, you know, there are, like, ongoing plots from the Clone Saga going on in the background, but it's mostly a big fight scene issue. And You know, that's what they kind of used Spider-Man Unlimited for, was a big, long, like, you know... It, it was for a while, like, they, they gave the book to, like, Tom Lyle, who wasn't really the best writer. He was more... Of, he's more of an artist, isn't he, Derek? Like, you know, like... Yeah, he's yeah. He, he's mainly known for art. I think you know, like in the in in those uh, the adjectiveless Spider-Man. I think it was like him and the you know, like he got co you know, kind of like Burn. You know, he got like co-writer credit on some of those issues with um, who was it? Like uh, probably uh, Kavanaugh or you know, one of those yeah, dipshits. Uh-huh. one of those dipshits. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom Lyle wrote like probably the absolute worst <clears throat> story of the Clone Saga, which is like, like I think he wrote like a chunk of Maximum Clonage. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but I mean, this, well, I, I mean, I mean, th- th- these all interconnected, so it's probably not entirely his fault. But yeah, you know. uh huh. But but yeah, like I mean, I always like this issue. Like you know, I would, I think again, I, I like like I like Justin asked, like this is Jason Mackendale as the Hobgoblin, but like at the time, I don't I don't think I knew that there were multiple Hobgoblins. So like I you know, and like the Hobgoblin was like my favorite villain. So like you know, I liked seeing him like so like prominent in this issue, and like you know, with Doctor Octopus like gone at this point, I kind of figured well. 
you know, Hobgoblin's got to step up and be like Spider-Man's like number one, like bad guy at this point. Like, cause uh, you know, Venom was kind of like a anti-hero at this point. So I, I kind of, for a brief time, I thought, you know, maybe the Hobgoblin was going to be, you know, Spider-Man's number one guy. And, you know, the fact that Kane's going after him kind of like cemented that in my head. Like, so, you know, but then like, I realized, oh, like Mackendale's different from, you know, the original Hobgoblin and, you know, it it all kind of worked itself out as I kept like reading more and more stuff. But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot of like stuff, like even, even like, you know, the beetle being in this issue, like I, this is, this was a issue where I was like, Oh, I like the beetle, even though he's kind of a, you know, he kind of is a loser in this issue, but you know, when Thunderbolts rolls around, I'm like, Oh yay, the beetle, you know? So, you know, this, this, this informed a lot of my, uh, you know, as a, as a, uh, fresh faced, uh, 10 or 11 year old when reading this like you know tastes so yeah i don't i don't know like what i'm sure you guys like read this back in the day but actually i hadn't and i enjoyed it you know i bought most of the clone saga stuff you know off the rack or in a store you know as it was coming out i didn't have that many issues of spider-man unlimited and looking at this issue i know why now because they were three ninety nine a pop, yeah, yeah, like that. That was like equal to like two comics or something. Or, you know, I, I think that's. I think I was very selective. I'm like, okay, I think this one is gonna be important. So I I probably just picked this one up and, you know, decided it wasn't that important to the story. Or maybe I just burned stole it and left it at the store, because um, I was like, okay, Mike's gonna pick some Clone Saga thing. And I started reading this, and I was like, I've I've never read this. And especially when I got to, you know, the the pencilers credit, I was like, yeah, I have no memory of ever reading this. Like, this is new to me. But um, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, the, the Sinister Seven, that was fun. It didn't need to be 52 issues. I think some of the infighting among the villains goes on a, a bit too much. You know, Black Cat going to see, you know, not Peter in jail. Like, I I don't, I, you, you probably could have cut that out and saved some space. And, you know, that could have been like in Adjectiveless Spider-Man or, or some other book. Like, it didn't even seem to hold any weight to this story at all. Mary Jane stuff is, I feel like all this Mary Jane stuff in this era has this weird layer to it and it's mostly to do with the baby like i don't i don't like stuff like that and i i don't like you know like stuff like rosemary's baby where it's like oh it's a baby but it's evil or oh there's something wrong with the baby like i i don't i don't like stuff like that to me that's the same thing as like you know the dog getting killed in Derek's comic i'm like i don't like that like i don't read comics for that kind of stuff like i i i can do without that completely but other than that, like I, you know, I thought this was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I was I was definitely knee deep in the Clone Saga shit when this came out. This was my my senior year at James Logan High School, so this was me. I could just you know walk across the street after I was done with high school, go to the local comic shop, which I think was called like DNR Sports Cards and oh. Comics or something like that, and um, I you know I. I actually reread the whole Mark of Cain just to sort of refresh my memory on it. But I mean, I, I owned every single one of these. 
the, you know what what it made me think of though was like was looking at this story and the entire story like the whole mark of cain like most people you'd see that splash of the scarlet spider that ron lim drew and go ooh like what a great splash of the scarlet spider and you'd have to be like but he's not the scarlet spider and it literally says on the page but he's not the scarlet spider you know and it's like that that kind of stuff cracked me up because in the in the previous four chapters the person who looks the most like spider-man is like the the clone they end up calling freaky face like because it's like he, he looks exactly like peter parker and spider-man for like the first like two chapters and then they get sal basima and uh bill sinkevich to start drawing it and then all of a sudden his face looks fucking crazy as shit because they're doing all this wacky sinkevich inks or whatever and they end up calling him freaky face and then i think what that's the shit that turns into spider side or whatever like and it, it's yeah. just like and 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 you're just like holy crap like so it's like Technically, I guess you could sell that page as like first spider side, but it's like it's like but somebody might look at it and go, oh, well, that's Spider-Man or that's the Scarlet Spider or that's, you know, or basically, you know, I don't know. The, re the reason why I'm getting all obsessed with it is because it's like, you know, I, sometimes you'd be like, well, I want to buy this page with Spider-Man on it. And I'm like, well, technically, that's not really Spider-Man. Right. It's it's freaky face or spider side or you know, whoever. Right. And it's like if you were if Scarlet Spider was your favorite character, there are some really nice pages with with Ron Lim and Ron Garney and all that stuff where you're like, "Ooh, this is this is really pretty. But you're but then I'm like, oh, wait, that's Peter as this, you know what I mean? Like, that's funny to be like, because it's like that's that's the kind of thing where it's like you're like, oh, wait, it's not who I thought it was. Kind of like like Justin was asking, is this Masondale? Like maybe that makes a difference to somebody, you know, or at least maybe it makes a difference to me, you know, whether whether it, it has the same meaning for me as it would, whether it was somebody else. And then uh, I think one of my favorite parts of this, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go to bat for the black cat and all that stuff. It's just, it's subplots. They were trying to weave in and out of all these stories. So it's like, I, I, I don't think I can be critical of stuff like that because I think that kind of stuff has long since been uh you know shit canned and expunged from comics like they don't even do that anymore and it's like the reason why was because you know they they you know the 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 following web of spider-man issue she has like this girl talk with black cat and black cat goes out looking for the scarlet spider or peter you know what i mean so they can so her and peter can talk about like the baby, you know, and all this, you know, so it's like, I, you know, it was just, that's, that's how shit was like, and I, I don't think I can be that critical of, of that. Um, but I think my favorite part in this whole thing is, uh, is Jonah and Robbie. Like, I love, you know, it's like, I don't know, maybe I love it because it just proves my point. But I'm like, dude, Jonah's a fucking hero, dude. Like, Jonah's the man. It's like, he he, he he was paying for Peter's lawyer. He fucking shit cans the story at the Daily Bugle because it's like, he's not having it because they know that Peter didn't do any of this shit. Like, I don't know. I just, like, th 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 that whole thing, like, that little subplot, like... I, I, I dig that the most. And and if you are a fan of Hobgoblin, like and you don't care about which version it is, I mean, it, it must be cool to see. I mean, regardless of what happened with Hobgoblin before or after this, it's like it must be cool to see him, you know, being essentially the leader of this new 
you know, group of Spidey bad guys, some of which are, are extremely classic, you know, Mysterio, Electro, Shocker, Beetle, and even 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 the the young vulture, at least it's the vulture. I mean, I can't speak too much. Like I, I feel like the the female scorpion is like the most forgettable one. I was like, oh, that was a thing for like two seconds. What was his name? Scorpia? Scorpia. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, well, whatever, Scorpia. But but the rest of them, it's like it's like you're like, oh yeah, like like you know, it to me, it's like I I always equated Hobgoblin to to Starscream anyway. So to me, it's like Starscream leading his own little set of Combaticons, you know, like that's that's how I sort of viewed this. I mean, I I do think it's funny that they're they're faced with life and death now because Kane's out there killing them, right? He killed the Grim Hunter. He killed Dr. Octopus. Uh, and I noticed Justin wasn't uh, too butthurt over the the stunner subplot, even though that has about as much weight as the the black cat thing. They're just oh, yeah. in there for a page, right? I forgot. But, but that was uh that you know that that that's the same idea right they're interlacing all this shit for later on cuz it's going to lead to like other other horseshit or whatever right but like so you you had Doc Ock and Grim Hunter killed right but there there's something that there's something about like uh the logic in oh we're threatened with death from Kane so Hobgoblin's going to arm us with a bunch of guns and we're going to go out and shoot the hell out of Kane. And like part of that, like I follow that logic, but then, then that opens this weird can of like silver age flash worms for me where I'm like, wait, so does that mean like all these guys have been going easy on Spider-Man all these years? Cause they didn't go after him with guns. Like, and I feel like that's not true. So like, I don't know. There's, there's something about that, that, that just seems like, Part of it, I should just be like, oh, it's just 90s, and they just wanted them all to have big cable guns and go after, you know, Kane, and I shouldn't think about it too hard. But then there's that part of me that's just like, isn't a pumpkin bomb? Like, see, that that's the thing that, that kind of drives me nuts, because I feel like it's this sneaky political social commentary. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, Batman hates guns, but guess what? He'll throw an exploding fucking battering at you like it's not gonna fucking potentially kill you it's like come on spare me you know and i feel the same way it's like it's like hobgoblin's pumpkin bombs aren't as deadly like throwing a fucking bomb at you is not as deadly as going after you with a little cable cannon i'm just kind of like come on man spare me but anyway that's uh you know again i was i was knee deep in the shit as far as this goes i read all of these um i i mean clearly i was overwrought and, and 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 got sick of it you know eventually but but i i don't think that would happen until like chapter one or something you know like i i i, I stuck with all this stuff the whole the whole way through so well thankfully this takes place before maximum clonage so that that's it that's in its favor <laughs> that's always a good thing uh no this was when i was still reading spider-man pretty religiously and unlike the past where i have been probably one of the more vocal poo-pooers of your 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 spider-man picks that we have to read yeah this was fun this was enjoyable i've always been a fan of the sinister six seven in this case and uh i actually like while i i will like you know accede to the point that justin made that there is a lot of infighting maybe too much i did like how there was like a tier situation in the group it's like hobgoblin is the leader he's the one in charge and then, like, you know, 
Shocker's kind of like mid-level. He's like the voice of reason. He tries to just like get the shit done. But then like Vulture's the the smart ass. He's the wise the wise guy, and he's like, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm the Vulture. I'm you. I'm young now. My balls are still working. Yay. But then you got Mysterio, who's kind of got his own thing going. And also, I like at the end, he's like the guy who really gets away. He's like the guy who more or less saves their asses, basically. And that's kind of cool. I like that. I like it when the Sinister Six has that kind of interplay. The end fighting, not so much, but I like it when they have a chance for certain guys to shine. So that was really cool. Um, I do like seeing Pete in the, the Scarlet Spider outfit. That was kind of neat. That was like a, a nice little switcho, switcheroo. You know, it was like, like Derek said, it's like, it's a Scarlet Spider, but it's not. And with Spider-Man being on the outs right now, you know, because, you know, like uh, Pete's in jail and, you know, Cade's running around in his outfit. I don't know how they can't tell with all the spiky shit sticking out of him. You know, it's like Spider-Man looks a little weird now, but whatever. Like, I, I like the fact that the Scarlet Spider is seen kind of more favorably by New Yorkers. They're like, hey, good job, Scarlet. You know, I don't know about the nickname Scarlet. <laughs> like, All right, Scarlet. Uh, but it's kind of nice to see, like, that that version of the, the Spider-Man, you know, uh, iteration. Like, the Scarlet Spider getting some, some love from the New Yorkers. Probably the only thing that was kind of, uh, not a downer, but, like, kind of unfair and, and I think Justin actually would probably kind of applaud this or, or, or stand on this soapbox with me. It's like, as much as, like, Peter is whinging and, and kind of, oh, man, I got I to gotta help Ben Riley. You know, he, he, took, he took the bullet for me. He's in jail, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm only free because it, there's not a whole lot of Ben Riley in this. Like, you get, like, the Mary Jane scene. I mean, not Mary Jane, but the Felicia Hardy scene where he's like, you know, uh, yeah, uh, everything's fine, Jennifer Alicia Hardy. That's right, I know you. Um, you know, trying to pretend like he knows her. And there's, like, that one scene where he's, like, you know, wondering about Mary Jane. And you don't really get a lot of Ben Riley, despite the fact he's the guy who's, like, you know, saving Peter's ass right now. So it'd be kind of nice to see him get, like, a little bit of a spotlight, maybe a prison fight. That would be kind of cool. I don't know. But it, it's whatever. As far as the, the 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 actual meat of the story with him facing off and Kane, I know you're a big Kane fan. Kane comes off really good here. He comes off as strong. He 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 seems like a real threat. And he also like you you get that you know inner monologue and stuff where he's talking about having to save Peter. Peter must be happy. He must not be sad. Don't you give Peter a balloon and make him happy. You know and. <laughs> That's you know that's that's cute and that's that's like that's like plays into like how Kane evolves later on. So like as far as like if you walk into this being at least passingly familiar with the Clone Saga, you're fine. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know Kane is a clone, who Ben Riley is as the clone, and you should have at least if you're a Spider-Man fan some passing knowledge. Like I don't really know who Scorpia is. Like when I read this like a long time ago. Because I, she just was this '90s character who was like, "I'm the female scorpion, kinda," and you don't really give a shit about her. But she's cannon fodder anyway. But like, as long as you know, like the the main the main players, you're you're good to go. Like, this is this is a this is a pretty easy book to pick up, and you don't need to have a whole lot of backstory. I mean, you know, like like the baby stuff that Justin was not a, fi- a fan of. 
you could really just skip over that. It's not really an important part of the story as far as this issue. I, rereading this, I was I was thinking like, you know, I was like, oh, man, like they kind of like in retrospect, it's like they kind of totally missed an opportunity to like goose up Kane's like body count by having him like wipe out Scorpia or something in this issue. Like because I mean, I mean, she's shown up again after this. But I mean, like, you know, what a redundant character that they could have just had Kane like kill off, basically. But you know, I, I, you know me, I call like Kane like Spider Man's like garbage disposal. He like kills off all the lame like Spider Man villains. Like, you know, he's Grim Hunter, uh, who else? Raptor, uh, Solace, uh, the Spider Queen, who, oh, Shathra. Like, he kills off all the lame like Spider Man villains. So, like, you know, like, they should have just had him wipe out like Scorpia in this issue, too. Can you guys see, like, little kid Mike's logic that, like, oh, Kane must be Peter and Mary Jane's son from the future? Because, you know, he, <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps talking about protecting Peter and Mary Jane. And, like, I'm like, like, little kid Mike's logic was, oh, he gets visions from the future. So he must be from the future. Like, you know. I mean, you know, right. him, and, him yeah. and Cable should go to a Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then like his, I, I his was, this issue also has his like rarely seen like sh pseudo wolverine shredder claws like that he has in his like gauntlets like I, I, like they did i feel like you know when he got like you know he became a like good guy and he became the scarlet spider and they gave him like the other powers he was like he had the like stingers and stuff and i was like that's almost kind of a reference back to his like wolverine claws or whatever but probably not intentionally but like i always thought that was kind of funny yeah they usually seem to use the mark of cain a lot more that was like his finishing move this shining cane um, finger yeah basically <laughs> yeah I, I was going to ask you mike because since, since he's in this issue this is something that uh, that's popped in my head a couple times being a huge spider-man fan as you are like what did you think of like the whole vulture de-aging like subplot that he had for a couple of years where he got to be all redhead and, and like 20 something years old I, I i mean i think i i don't know what i thought of it i think it was just like you know it was the thing in at the time like you know like i knew vulture was old at one point and then he became young and then i was like okay cool like he's young now like and you know, and then like later on, he becomes old again. And then that was it was just like a phase of the character, basically, to me. Like, I, I don't I don't like super have a, you know, affection for like young Vulture or anything. Like, I just think it was a, a phase of the character where they tried to like edge him up for the 90s or whatever. And it didn't last. So, I mean, yeah, I but I don't I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that costume's awful or anything. I think it looks kind of neat, but. You know, I it, feel like it, it was such a it was such a thing at the time, like that almost was like the default. Like they immediately yeah. went to that plot in the the Fox Kids cartoon. cartoon. Yep. Uh huh. You know, one one well, bit yeah. I really one bit I really like is when um, <laughs> and it's funny. It's like you know the Beetle is always considered like a loser or whatever, and like when Scarlet Spider's like kicking his ass and stuff, he's like, "Oh man, you're out." 
you're a small potatoes, Beetle, and you always have been. And Beetle has like this thought bubble where he's like, you know, how does the Scarlet Spider know so much about me? And I'm like, you know, Abner, like if you think you're a loser, you're going to be a loser, basically. Like, like he, he like he, Scarlet Spider is calling him a loser and he's thinking, yeah, I am a loser. How does he know that? Like, you know, like I, you know, I thought that was really like funny. Dark secret that I'm a loser. Yeah. Oh, man. And the only other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, like, since there are three artists on this, they mostly keep it kind of consistent. But like, depending on who what page who draws what page, it's like sometimes you get a normal looking hobgoblin, and some pages he looks like the demon like hobgoblin with the ragged cape and the like you know toothy grin and stuff. So I mean, there's some inconsistency there, but. I did notice that, like, that one scene where Mary Jane's, like, pointing the gun at the door, not sure if it's Peter. Like, in my head, I was just thinking, God, Mary Jane looks old as fuck. I think those are the Ron Lim pages, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. She just looked like she was, like, it, like 35 to 40, not, like, you know, 25 to 30. <laughs> yeah, well. I don't know, like age up, age down. Like it depends on the era, basically, whether they're trying to make people older or younger or whatever. But yeah, like I, I still hold this issue in like, you know, nostalgic regard, like, you know, you know, even though I think, you know, the clone saga goes on a downturn after this point, like, you know, where it gets keeps getting worse and worse until it finally hits its like like rock bottom with maximum clonage. So there's you you were talking about like the black cat, like there's a Spider-Man Unlimited issue, like after Ben's become like Spider-Man, like where they they have like a team up and like, you know, she gives him like a kiss at the end. And I always thought it would have been nice if I was like, oh, Ben Riley should date like Felicia Hardy. Like that would have been a nice like kind of like thing, but they never really went anywhere with that. That kind of reminds me of like Superman Red and Superman Blue because they, they, you know, one 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 ended up with Lana and one ended up with Lois. So it'd be like, <laughs> you know. Ben and uh, Peter, you know, one gets Mary Jane and one ends up with Felicia. But, yeah, but you forget, Spider-Man can never be happy. <laughs> no, no way. Hey, no way. Maybe it's a voice. I will soon know. Can you home in on it? <clears throat> we all hear that, Landon. I really think we should worry about the hearing now. All right, well, I found the quadrant. God, all I want to know is what is, what is it? Cast. Doesn't sound like any radio signal. Huh? Dark Horse presents aliens. I don't understand this content. All we know is that the xenomorph may be involved. Excuse me, sir. Uh, uh, what exactly are we dealing with here? Comic book adaptations of 20th century Fox intellectual property. How many different ways do you want me to tell the same story? I got into trouble. My ship, there was an accident. We found an alien creature. It's very dangerous. Spoilers. A creature that gestates inside a living human host. These are your words. And has concentrated acid for blood. That's right. We sat down there on company orders to get this thing, which destroyed my crew and your expensive ship. When they first heard about this thing, it was crew 
expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. We don't have a lot of time, okay? Oh, God, what are we listening to? Idiot! Hey, has anybody else got a better idea? How long would it take you to do that? 20 minutes to an hour. About two hours. More like two or three without. We have been here for three and a half hours. I read your deposition, and it's great. If you just stick to that, I think we'll be fine. I really hate to point this out, but it might be better off without oxygen. Well, whatever the hell it is, we gotta catch it. Look, man, I only need to know one where they are. Did IQs just drop sharply? We homed in on its beacon. This has been the World Spine Podcast. We have it on disc, so you better look at it. Okay, put that on the screen for me. Now move it, people. Why don't you just check out the Dark Horse Presence Aliens Podcast? Because I don't have to. Do you mind? They think we're... We're crud. That could have been better. Are you finished? Does that bring us to Justin's pick for tonight? I guess so. I brought WCW Slam Force. This was written by Ruben Diaz and Bill Roseman, illustrated by Michael Ryan. A covert strike force team drafted from the wrestling rings of WCW battles supernatural forces, comprised of Kevin Nash, Brett the Hitman Hart, Goldberg, Sting, and Chris Benoit. The team arrives in Antarctica to prevent the missing link from falling into the wrong hands. They battle ghouls but are quickly outnumbered. In the end, Goldberg uses his electro gauntlets to smash the ground, sending the ghouls to an icy grave. So this is a mini comic and it was included in a line of action figures called, wait for it, Slam Force. Four figures were released, Goldberg, Bret Hart, Sting, and Kevin Nash. Uh, by the time these figures were released, Chris Benoit jumped ship to WWF, and his figure was not released. And apparently this project, uh, this little mini-comic being included, this came about because of a failed WCW versus Marvel crossover comic that was pitched. Uh, for whatever reason, it fell through, and the only thing that resulted was mini-comic, but there was some art produced, including a... Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Incredible Hulk piece. Um, hold on, I have a link for you guys. Um, maybe this will be of interest to Derek because I know he likes to click, you know, look at art that's maybe unpublished and stuff. But there, there's also a um, Spider-Man with Sting uh, pinup, I think, in there somewhere. And anyway, when I came upon this, like it immediately sparked a memory. And I was like, Oh, I remember this. And the thing that like confused me is like this is a mini comic that was uh, packed in with the action figures, and the memory I had was like of the. My memory was that it was like a full size comic, and I I eventually figured out like what I was remembering is like the back card of the action figures. It has like the cover art, you know on that card so i guess i was just remembering like the blown up art on the on the back card of the action figures um i think it's kind of funny like if you look at the sting action figure he's got like a death scythe hell thing going on it's like he's got like the giant thing you know his wings fold over him to like form some kind of like you know protective coat or something and it's just i don't know i i was like oh it's death scythe hell sting like it's so weird um <laughs> I don't know, like, I I remember seeing these in, like, KB, but I, I, you know, I never owned these. Like, I, you know, I, during the Monday Night Wars, I, you know, would flip back and forth, and I watched more WCW than WWF. 
but I wasn't I wasn't that into wrestling that I wanted to like go out and buy like wrestling action figures or even like wrestling video games. Like I would play I, I remember playing like wrestling video games, but like I just I guess I was never like that deep into it. Like I, I remember seeing these and I was just like, Oh, this is really weird. Like Sting is a Gundam and Bret Hart has like this Hawkeye thing going on and you know, Kevin Nash, I guess I guess they took one look at Kevin Nash and they were like big blonde guy give him like thor's hammer and that's what you that's what they went for and then i guess you know chris benoit you know the his one of his nicknames was the rabid wolverine and they were like okay give him like some metal claws a la marvel's wolverine but yeah as soon as i saw this i like you know it, it registered a memory and it was like it's one of those things that like as soon as you see it you have like a you know you have like the new type flash and you're like i remember this like 23 years later like i remember it like that knowledge was like laying dormant inside my mind until until recently and i just kind of like i quietly like put this comics existence in my back pocket and i was like Ooh, i'm gonna save this and spring it on those unsuspecting fools at some point and now it has been sprung so what did you guys think of this great comic the prophesied time has arrived <laughs> like holy shit like as soon as i like i clicked on your link when you posted it and i like read it and i was like oh man like like i gotta pick something awful too basically like, <laughs> but like you know i didn't pick something awful per se but i was like i had to pick something like from the 90s basically and like mm. i mean this is this is probably like what 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 year did this come out in the year 2000 yeah i was gonna say it must have been right on the brink right yeah so like because I was like, oh, wait, Kevin Nash, like Chris Benoit, like all these guys, like this can't be like not exactly the 90s. But but yeah, like I, I think I was most surprised like reading it and then it just ends. And I was like, oh, was this only like a, you know, zero issue or a promo thing? And yeah, I guess it was. And then I, I looked it up and I was like, they never did any more of them. So what, what's especially funny is like the last page, it says, follow the adventures of Slam Force each month in their own series from Marvel Comics. Except no, that never happened. I'm like, oh, that's, that's too bad because yeah. this is so this is so wacky. Like it probably would have been fun and like, I don't know. I, I really like the art in this. Like for for just a mini packing comic, I'm like, yeah, the story like ends abruptly and it's you know a little disjointed. But I'm like, I really like this art. Like I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, like I, I I was gonna say I was gonna compliment the art. Like I've always liked you know Bret Hart and like I thought it was cool that he got all like the Hawkeye stuff and like the leadership. <laughs> role like so that was really cool like and yeah like i i thought the art was really good and like i i was surprised at how much i enjoyed this after seeing the cover basically, so <laughs> uh, i i'm sitting here still wondering because goldberg's like yelling at me to subscribe now and 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 get a subscription and i'm kind of like <laughs> i some kids some kids must have done that, right? Yeah. Like, what? What? Ha I imagine they just sent them some other horse shit. Like, they went, "Oh, yeah. we don't got no w WCW Slam Force kids. Here's a subscription to fucking um, <laughs> Terror Incorporated or whatever." <laughs> you know, like I was like, "What did they do?" Like, but I'm sure they just gave them something else. But I was just like, "That that I don't know. That seems so." Uh, so uh sad to me you know what else i was thinking mike was like did um did what's his face uh gauntlet from avengers academy or whatever like uh get goldberg's little arm 
thingies yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so, like yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's what that say. reminded me of. And, um, dude, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't like, like Bret Hart is known for his precision, his careful analysis of every <laughs> variable. It takes a lot to catch him off guard, but a screaming necroploid is the last thing he expected to answer him. Everybody fall back, fall back. Like, I, I don't know. That, that that stuff cracks me up. I'm like, Bret Hart's known for his precision and his careful analysis? Really? It's, like It's it's the excellence of execution. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. So, like, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, okay, that fits, you know, excellence of execution. So, I get uh, it. Uh, I, I like the fact that Sting, Sting looks... We actually execute this. <laughs> yes, yes. Sting looks appropriately badass. Um yeah. I mean that 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 looks really cool. I think it's funny. Like I I think you mentioned most of this, but uh, the other thing that I had to learn was Chris Benoit. Like since he left, right? He's he's not in the figure line. So right. like if you if you go look up the figures, they have figures for all of these guys except for Chris Benoit, which I I think is funny because I'm like, oh, they don't have the Wolverine figure in this line, basically, right? Like, and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. I think yeah, I. Good. Sorry, okay. one of those one of those links. I think there's a picture of like his unreleased figure somewhere in there. Mm. If you notice, he doesn't get like <clears throat> a whole lot of uh, screen yeah. time in this either. I also think he's a an odd choice. I mean, not because he you know defected probably while this was in production and they couldn't do much, but like I was like, I don't know. It seems like they could have used like Booker T instead or something. I mean. I, I don't know. The whole Crispin Wass thing is like a huge minefield that I I don't really want to get into. But I'm like, for this comic, he's an odd choice. Like you said, like he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. He, it seems like he doesn't do as much as everyone else. So I'm like, you, you could have put Booker T in there and he could have been like, you know, do you dig it, sucker? And he does a spin a Rooney on a ghoul or something like that would have been awesome. His, his powers, he's got a giant shovel. <laughs> Can you dig it? Sucker. As far as enjoyment, this is stupid, <laughs> but it's like the right kind of stupid. Yeah, like it just it makes you feel good because like it's like a cartoon, and I'm sure, it, you know, further down the line, if this had become popular, they they totally would have went that way. But like it's got like the whole like you know, you know, it's got the good guy leader who's like you know doesn't make a mistake. It's got like the uh, the dumb tough guy with Goldberg. It's, it's got the the Raphael with uh, Kevin Nash, and even got the dark guy, the dark sinister brooding guy with Sting. And then you got Chris Benoit. He's just uh, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's weird that like the not only did like the WCW Marvel crossover comic not go through, but like the Slam Force ongoing didn't go through. And I'm like. Okay, WCW in the year 2000, like they were, man, they were they were circling the drain. They were losing millions of dollars every month. I'm like, you think they would have like okayed this licensing deal and like tried to like make a few bucks or something? But I don't know. Right. Like I, it seems I tried to like those links I sent you. They go into it a little bit, but not into like a whole lot of detail. So I'm like, I don't really know like what the issue was or why it fell apart, but like. You'd think that like they would have like tried to make a buck and 
keep things going as long as they could since they were losing so much money. But I, I don't know. I guess you could you could use this as, as an example of more of a, you know, WCW like didn't know what the left hand was doing or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, but but by this time WWF was definitely kicking WCW's ass. So like, did this probably was more of a cash grab than anything else? Just like you know, just like, look, new toys. It just uh, here's a comic to go with it. There's going to be more. Just buy something. Fuck. <laughs> Are you going to say something, Derek? Oh, I was just looking at that stuff you were talking about, like where they were, you know, like that that Spider-Man Sting, Spider-Man versus Sting mm-hmm. cover and the, the the Hulk Hogan versus Hulk cover <laughs> or, or, or Hollywood Hogan, I guess. Like, but uh, th- that, that, that is, uh, and, and then, like you said, I mean, Chris Benoit was going to meet up with Wolverine apparently. Like, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, that is pretty cool. I, I will say that, like, being a wrestling fan, it is, like, darkly humorous that Goldberg and Bret Hart would be on the same team. Yeah, I mean, considering, like, what happened, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, they're, they're, that's one of those things in here, like, Chris Benoit, you're like, oh, that's, that, that's a minefield that I don't want to wait into. Right, yeah, it just feels like, uh, <laughs> they probably wouldn't be friends. But I was going to say the art was good. I, I did like the art. And we even got, like, from the files of Eric Bischoff with uh, Kevin Nash. Yeah, I think depending on, like, what which action figure you bought, it would have, like, a tech spec readout. So, like, the one, you know, the one we read had Kevin Nash. But, like, if like if you bought the Sting or Brit Hart figure, like, the last page would be, like, a Sting or Brit Hart, like, tech spec, you know, thing. Yeah. It was like, Kevin Nash is a cool, confident, but, you know, talkative, like, brawler with his rocket hammer, he deals out justice. Kevin Nash. (laughs) Kevin Nash. Um, I I will say that, like, when I, I first read it, I don't know if there was a preamble or I missed something, but for a second, I didn't know who Kevin Nash and Chris Benoit, who were they, who they were supposed to be. Because I was like, Sting is obvious, Brett's pretty obvious, uh, and Goldberg is very obvious. He's he's a guy with no shirt, and he's bald, and he's got a beard. You know, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. I, I I will admit, for a pack-in comic, if you're a total noob and you don't know who anybody is, that there there certainly is no Claremontism or Jim Shooterism or any. You know, there's there's no you know uh, little title placards where it's like. Goldberg. Goldberg has like big electric gauntlets. Goldberg. You know, like like the, there's there's nothing that necessarily tells you who these guys are per se. Yeah, and I like how Brett's like, you know, Goldberg, do this. Nash, good quip. We need your dark magic help. Chris. Eat some poutine. I don't know, man. Yeah, they didn't they didn't have that technique either, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know, it, but it, it was it was very lighthearted and, and stuff. I I you know what you know how I could say that like I enjoyed this. I actually I actually there's a part of me there's a small part of me that wants to know if they ever find the caveman and he becomes a part of the team. 
Uh, maybe maybe he would end up being like some kind of like dungeon of doom, like the Yeti or something, since he's nice. <laughs> he's hugging me. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh. No, this was this was really fun. I, I liked it, and and except for Kevin Nash and, and Wolverine, which I, I after like a few like like panels, I was like, ah, I know who that is. I know who that is. Like. Like whoever designed like the costumes was really like clever because like Hitman does look like Hitman and, and Sting does look like Sting. I mean, it's kind of hard to fuck up Sting, you know. I mean, he he's got a very iconic look, you know. But like, I, I was really happy with how they they made the wrestlers actually seem like superheroes or whatever. Oh, uh, Justin, what was the I I already, I already forgot what was the bad guy's name, Doctor. Um, Von Ghoul. Was it Von Ghoul? <laughs> in case, in case you didn't know, he was bad. Right. <laughs> it's like we must, we must rescue the caveman for Professor Von Evil Bad. <laughs> I, I guess the, the only thing I, I, I have to ask though is, did you get them all, Justin? Did you get all the the Slam Force action figures? No, I never had any of them. <laughs> Justin, I liked this comic better than Derek's. <laughs> ow, ow. I win. Perfect. The winner is you. See, I, I recognized Sting. I didn't recognize the crow. <laughs> it happened again. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah, see, it's like poetry. It's right. It rhymes. Oh, she's close together. All right, here we go. You say is cooking. If you smell what the rock. Here we go. It is smell. That is good. Damn. Okay. What's that? Okay. You you say you say everything. Okay. You say it. It's your show. Here you go. It's cooking. All right. Well, I I think I think we've done our piece. I think I think we've had a nice palate cleanser. We've talked about some some wild and crazy comics. And if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets that we receive. And we're on all kinds of uh, streaming and podcatchers and that kind of business. So you can find us there as it keeps evolving and changing. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike today, marking you with the mark of King. This is Justin, signing off. And this is Tony saying, look out!
funny. Ever since you brought Nightcat to us, I've been trying to find like the next Nightcat. And I mean, I enjoyed Slam Force, but it's definitely no Nightcat. So my quest continues. I, I do set the bar oddly high. Yeah, well, when you found that, you found gold. I, 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 I've always said I'm, I'm a wealth of useless and what the fuck information. So just Justin's like, like you found gold while I only found Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 